You're listening to Bloom After Baby, the podcast. We're your hosts, Rachel Daggett and Jen Jordan. We're a therapist and a doctor and and both moms of two. We're here to discuss the mental health and wellness needs that are unique to motherhood. From confusing hormone swings to your expanding body to boundaries in tricky relationships, we'll give you the information you need to experience motherhood in a way that feels good to you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let's get to it. All right, welcome back, everybody. Today we are kind of piggybacking and following up on the conversation that I had with my colleague, Mackenzie Rummel last week talking about boundary setting over the holidays, how to do that, what boundaries are. And we're coming from a perspective that I'm sure a lot of people can relate to both being sort of what you might classify as type of personality and that looks a whole lot different in parenthood. And we'll talk more about kind of how we've had to shift our mindset and approaches around that. But there are often conflicting parties and people when you're talking about who you're trying to accommodate your family and your children versus everyone else. So that shows up a whole lot differently in parenthood. Absolutely. And just to kind of highlight a couple of the things that stood out to me the most that I walked away from the episode last week with McKinsey was her approach with boundary setting with her clients and her practice as well as in her marriage and in her family, is that boundary setting is an act of love. Kind of a big reframe for me that I'd never really thought of that way. Sometimes there can be a little bit of a misunderstanding or misinformation around what boundary setting is. So one thing Jen and I wanted to touch on today is what boundary setting actually is and what it means and how it is an act of love, not only for you and your family and your little unit that you're trying to protect and help survive and thrive, but also to the people you're setting the boundaries with. And what McKinsey was sharing with me is that what she sees in her work with couples, particularly with boundary setting with in-laws, is that getting ahead of it and getting really good at communicating what you will and will not do with your in-laws actually protects that relationship and protects the longevity of the relationship and makes eventual cutoff or estrangement from those family members less likely. So yeah, we really just kind of want to point out that beautiful reframe from McKinsey and, and how important that is to keep in mind that setting boundaries is an act of love and it does not make you cold or inflexible or rigid, or any of those other things that you may have heard or have in your mind about yourself when you do set those boundaries. Yeah, yeah. And I think, so going back to what Rachel just said about what boundaries mean, what that even looks like, is that it is often perceived as a set of rules and structure around what other people are not allowed to do, you know, how you have protected space or time and almost kind of an exclusive perspective, as opposed to it really being more about what priorities and values you and your family are are going to operate around. So maybe Rachel, you can speak to that even a little bit more around what, you know, how do you even define it and why do we even have boundaries? Why is that such an important thing? One way I think about this, what's coming to mind right now is one of Dr. Becky Kennedy's little tips that's helped me with parenting. And I think can apply so much to every relationship is, that let's say my three-year-old son was standing on the coffee table, which 
happens more often than not. <laughs> so if I were to say to him, Reed, you need to get off the coffee table, that's not setting a boundary, right? That's me telling him what I want him to do. And he's not going to listen. I know. I already know that he wouldn't. And I've tried that and it doesn't work. But if I say, okay, I'm going to count to five and you need to get off the table before I get to five, I'll count to five. He also won't necessarily do anything. And, and what's, I think the power struggle and the, the difficulty we can run into as parents, especially with toddlers is we cannot control what they do and don't do. Like I can't, if I'm just standing there, I can't physic I can't convince him necessarily to get off the table if he doesn't want to. And so what actually setting the boundary would look like is I'm going to count to five. And if you're having a hard time, I'm going to get you off the table for your safety. That works and may or may not end up in a tantrum or a meltdown, but that's his response. Right. And I can't control what he does. I can't control what his response is. I control what I what I do, right? And intentionally, not just doing the thing, but communicating the boundary and communicating what I am going to do versus telling him what he needs to do. So that can apply to, to other things too, right? With Especially as, as holidays come up, instead of thinking we need to tell our family members what they need to do for the holidays or, or trying to control other people's responses. It's more being intentional about what we want for our families, what we are going to choose to do with our time and our energy over the holidays, setting those those expectations with others clearly and kindly, and then letting them respond how they will. Let me go back to your example really quick, because I think that that was such a great example that all of us can relate to, I'm sure. So the behavior that you're seeing is something that you you don't want your son to be doing, but it sounded like what the actual boundary was, was around how you internalized that boundary as solely your behavior. So he could have said, okay, mom, I'll get down right now. Or he could have done what he probably did do and ignored you and then you remove him. But no matter what, his behavior didn't change the boundary at all. The boundary was set and you're going to uphold that right. and that piece isn't going to change. I, I love that. I've never really thought about it that way. I know, right? I hadn't either until I, I heard that from her. And I think it was either in one of her posts or workshops, but it's changed the game for me and how I approach him. And again, the key is it's not necessarily going to prevent a meltdown or a tantrum. He's still going to respond however he responds in that moment. And that's also not going to change my decision to uphold the boundary. Okay. So talk more then about how obviously that gets really, really complicated when you're dealing with <laughs> adults and tricky relationships. And maybe before we even go into what some of those interactions are, again, kind of how you go about formulating a boundary and internalizing how that will be something you're able to uphold, regardless of the other family members or you know whoever else is involved. But just that creation of that boundary for yourself, what that even looks like. I think so it always needs to start with either you if you're you're a single parent or you and your partner if you have a partner in parenting to reflect on what are our values and our intentions going into this holiday season. And it might look different every year and that's another thing too. I think that's hard for um 
grandparents in particular to let go of, of what their idea of what traditions are and how things have always been may change. And that's going to look different. Like if you have a newborn baby, you're probably not going to be attending big family gatherings that maybe you have in the past every year. So the key is always that connection and that joining initially to get really, really clear on what your values and intentions are. And then strategizing what you actually want the holidays to look like and what you're willing to sacrifice and not sacrifice. Then going and taking those really clear attentions and decisions to whatever family members you need to. And that could look like, like for us, it's been as simple as, you know, we're going to come to this event and we will be leaving at seven o'clock to make sure we get home in time for bedtime routines and whatnot. So if we eat by then, great. If not, we'll just drive through somewhere on the way home. So that's so I'm not trying to control what they're going to do for their holiday or ch- expecting them to make their changes around us. I'm saying what we are going to do and letting the rest be not up to me, right? And not in my control. And then if I receive any pushback from that, I have to really go into that with the intention beforehand that I'm going to stick to my my guns no matter what the what the feedback is. And like you were saying earlier, it's, it's to uphold, how did you say it in your post? It's protecting your family. It's like the foundation to uphold your family. It's not to like push people away or keep people out. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think it was something around how there's not, the boundaries aren't the fence or barrier around you. It's the scaffolding or the yeah. framework that's holding you up and which is your set of values. Yeah. And I guess that brings me to think about how values change after having kids, right? Like when when you're young and either married or single, you might value holiday parties, gift giving a lot and all the fun holiday cocktails, late nights out and all, you know, all the like fun around it. And then values with young kids may look like you value more the peace, like avoiding overstimulation as much as possible and protecting like your child's experience of the magic of the holidays versus doing whatever everyone else is expecting of you. So I think there's a lot to be said about just giving ourselves permission to change as we go through these different stages. And that can mean our values change. And sometimes people don't really respond well to that. I think, and I love what you said too about, you know, the sacrifice piece of it, I think is another of the mis, kind of misunderstandings with boundaries that it means you're not willing to sacrifice or could even imply something about how much you care about someone because you're not able to make accommodations. And I think before kids, you, I know both of us kind of had that tendency to always say yes. And sacrificing might mean something you just would rather kind of not do, but you're going to go along with it because someone else really wants to do it or wants to there could look something like that. But after kids, sacrifice could look like, you know, totally changing Reed's Christmas Eve experience into something that is kind of miserable for him or something. Mm-hmm. And is that a sacrifice that your family is really willing to make? So I like, I like how, I mean, just thinking about the element of sacrifice might look a little bit different during a certain period of time. And then sort of almost a distinction between like big boundaries and little boundaries and big boundaries being things like, you know, what, where you might and might not go with your family Mm -hmm. or certain events or gatherings you're going to participate in or not um, versus some of those little boundaries just being like behaviors within an interaction or within an event. Um, I don't know, Dr. I think Dr. 
Becky talks about kids shouldn't be expected to sit at a dinner table for more than mm-hmm. 15 minutes or something in the toddler stage. And so if you're I mean, at a family dinner and there's an expectation from a family member that everyone's going to sit around the table, but they've been there for 30 minutes and they're freaking out. And now they're going to have a miserable experience because it's escalating. Then even those type of boundaries, like, no, you know, we're going to excuse ourselves and I'm going to go play with Reed over here or something like that, that you do such a good job before occasions thinking through what those little boundaries might need to be. And I think that's something a lot of people kind of forget about. So you're sort of like in the moment reactive versus that planning piece that I know you're going to get to a little bit more of even setting those like micro boundaries before events and interactions. Mm -hmm. And I think part of what can happen with the holidays, if you generally have positive vibes around the holidays, like you and I both grew up loving Christmas, right? And Thanksgiving and always looking forward to it, always counting down. It was like the best part of the year and and really fond memories of it. And I think what can happen with things like that is there's such a buildup in our mind that we almost think real life must go out the window. So because it's Christmas, that just means that should mean that our kids are going to behave and everything is going to go great. And all the regular struggle of the day to day is going to disappear. And maybe that's not a conscious thought, but it's certainly, I think, a subconscious hope that can set us up for failure. It's also easy to just get so wrapped up in the chaos of what the holidays can be. And that takes up space in your brain and can make it make it harder to strategize and plan for and cope with the normal day-to-day stressors that are still there no matter what day it is. So I do think going into family gatherings, especially with young kids, with babies and toddlers, where your time really isn't your own and you don't know how these kids are going to respond. And we really have to have to stay awake and stay mindful. And, and I always promote just like being as proactive as possible with your partner or with your family members. Like, Hey, if my two-year-old starts freaking out or I start to see that she's needing space, I'm going to take her outside. Like I might be gone on a walk with her for a little while. Or like I said, like setting a certain time you're going to leave. Yeah. Just knowing, knowing what your kids need and and not being afraid to implement it, even if it's Christmas dinner, right. Even if it's this like special event, because life still happens. And I think putting all these like pressures and expectations on ourselves that things are going to look or need to look a certain way just because it's a holiday, put so much stress on us. And then the kids also sense that and take that in. And it's not really good for anybody. That idea of boundaries being something that shifts and is kind of always in flex and that awareness that I think, again, you really do a good job of, of when things are kind of expanding beyond the boundaries that you have set at that, that moment. And so boundaries really also being about self-care in the sense of, you know, not extending yourself beyond the capacity and bandwidth that you have and that that's changing and that might be (laughs) narrower at times. And so those boundaries shift along with it. I think the communication piece, the partner communication piece is huge. And it's so challenging too, because boundaries can look so different. I know I have this like super outgoing partner that wants to be at every single event with everybody and is the biggest extrovert. And so our boundaries look super different. They align kind of on our kids and wanting having similar ideas about what their we want their experiences to look like. But our personal boundaries for what we enjoy are very different. We don't have necessarily a really great approach for how we 
draw upon a specific set of values that are mutual when we're talking about our own personalities and preferences. Yeah, because you have differing needs, right? First, it would be a matter of not avoiding the conversation, even though it's hard. And even though you do feel like you're on a different page and then finding one foundational value that you do share because the kids are your mutual interest, right? So you could see if you align on like the well-being of the family as a whole. What is the, the balance you can strike? I think the other thing that I've learned is you may do different things. You don't have to do all the things together. Like let's say he wants to do some events and you just don't have it in you, like giving yourselves permission to do things separately sometimes and to divide and conquer. And then again, with like, with any conversation like this, I think it's a matter of always having a a speaker and a listener, letting each of you talk about what you feel like you're needing going into these events or a certain event that is, has come up that you're like debating about and what the underlying need is for you. And if you can come up with some kind of compromise, then do that. But otherwise you might just do things differently. That's really true. I think that's something that you forget because that idea of not needing to do everything together, you definitely, it's different in parenthood for sure. And I think that's not the norm. Like a lot of times people just kind of assume that everything needs to be done as a whole unit. So I think that's a great, that's a great reminder. And then also one thing I've noticed you do really well is also using a specific boundary as an opportunity to look at the larger boundary. For example, that idea of needing some downtime and I'll be kind of random about it and tell Eric, I'm not up for doing something on a weekend day. And the reason being that I need that time, that that downtime or whatever, but that in itself often isn't received as a logical reason, but you do a really good job of identifying what your need is. I remember you had the idea of Sunday being a rest day and not really making plans with anybody on Sundays and just having that boundary in place of, I know I need one day a week or whatever it is and doing a better job of clear to the other person. So it doesn't feel as so random when you're turning down certain things i think it all comes back to like the side of of parenting and the side of marriage that sometimes can feel business-like and kind of just leaning into that and being okay with that we have really learned how to communicate proactively and regularly about this stuff it was easier before when we just had one kid and we could still like try to keep our date nights but whenever we do have our date nights we really try to have intentional conversations around, okay, what's coming up on our agenda? What are we feeling like we need to be prioritizing more? You know, advice that I actually got from my therapist after having our second was make sure you have at least two or three things during your week that you are protecting no matter what. So for us, it was like one day a week for a while, we were going to a spin class together at night while we had the kids in the daycare at the gym that's has now fallen apart because of witching hour and bedtime's changing. But then we had to go back to the drawing board and be like, okay, what's going to replace that? One night a week going to bed at the same time instead of watching a show and just connecting, even if it's five minutes. It's so necessary because it is like you're managing finances, you're managing schedules, you're managing time, you're managing needs and desires that are conflicting at times. Like You kind of have to be strategic around it especially once kids are in the picture and especially when holidays are coming up and there's a lot of external expectation coming at you. Like if you're not fully on board with 
each other and coming at it as a team, it's so you can it's so easy to just drown in all the outside stuff. It absolutely can't work if you don't have that alignment as a family unit unit or with your partner. And also boundaries that are set and communicated with kindness and gentleness and love and validation of the other person's experience are not only nicer quotes, but there's a bigger reason. It's not about being nice. It's about, it's going to be better received and it's more likely to be effective and respected than if you come at it from a place of anger. So definitely a, just knowing that you can't, you cannot control how other people are going to perceive anything you do, whether it's a boundary or what you decide to wear to work tomorrow. But all you can control is how you approach it and not trying to communicate anything like this when you're triggered or you're in a place of emotion to help you communicate effectively and then letting go, right? Like you can do that. You can say that and then you let go and whatever they do in response is really, really just not your responsibility. Your your earlier example with Reed totally highlights that, that it isn't about the other person's behavior. And I think also the idea that when you're forming a boundary that's made with all the information and that you need, it's made based on your values, your priorities, that season or stage of life at the moment, and that other person's behavior is not additional information that leads to a negotiation. So often that boundary is the lines are moved based on the other person's reaction. And that's where the sacrifice piece comes in. And yeah, so it really is an acceptance and (laughs) accepting being uncomfortable and having people not be pleased with that decision a lot of times. But that Mm -hmm. is the other piece of actually having boundaries that mean anything. Jenny, I know you have to go pick up your toddler from school. And so let's wrap up this conversation and we'll keep it going. We do want to talk also about how body image and dieting and New Year's resolutions, especially in motherhood and especially in our new mom bodies. And so we really want to touch on that and and talk a little bit about that. So we'll wrap up this conversation for now. Thank you guys for listening and Jenny for your insights. Thanks so much for tuning in with us today. If you enjoyed this episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. Your feedback means the world to us and helps us know which conversations you are needing the most. And we'll keep bringing you new episodes every week. So hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Also, be sure to check out the show notes for any links or resources that we mentioned. We're on this journey with you, so be sure to find us on the gram and TikTok. Plus, go to bloomafterbaby.com and grab our free guides on all things motherhood created just for you. Breathe, be well, and keep growing, mama.